I've, I've kind of accepted that I have two states of being with ulcers and without them, and I much prefer to be without ulcers, you know what I mean? Hi, uh, welcome to part two of the new format for Movie Butts. I'm Arnie Joe. And, uh, you know, this is a, I, I didn't actually, fuck, I didn't say it for the last one. This is a, this is a, oh God, okay, whew, I've got to put my salesman hat on. This is a podcast where we do a bunch of math to determine the best and worst of a certain topic using critical information from Metacritic, Rotten Tomatoes, the box office, the budget. I put it all into a spreadsheet and I use the math to determine the best and worst. But because this week we're doing three movies, it doesn't really fucking matter, does it? So, uh... What, what did we... You did it anyway, though, didn't you? Yeah, I did do the math. I had to do the math. Um, you fucking... You can't help yourself. You just love... You just love s- switching on your math machine. Yeah, but if I was so anal retentive, we would have been talking about this one first because mathematically, Pusher 2 is the best. But mm-hmm. because this format that we're doing this week, you know... Uh, doesn't really lend itself to... I, I think it would be fucking retarded. Actually, sorry, I take that back. You it would think, be stupid if we talked th- about Pusher 2 before we talked about Pusher 1. Do you think... Oh, um, yeah, I'll, I'll do the synopsis first. Um, okay, quickly. So, that, um, that, so, yes, so for this, uh, for this uh, little episode thing, we're doing three episodes, but, you know, usually from now on, just to you know, make things a little different. We're doing two a week. So the best will be it coming. It might change. It might not. We will, and we will do whatever the fuck we'll we do whatever want we want. But for the, for the foreseeable future, it looks like we'll be having the best coming out on Tuesdays and the worst coming out on Fridays. But because, you know, where I think it would have been, I don't know. I feel like, do you agree? It kind of lends itself to talk about all three of these films. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I, yeah, yeah, because it feels like, I don't know, I don't know, I think I'm not going to finish that sentence, but yeah, I agree, and I like, I want to talk about all yeah, three. Yeah, so this is a special, we've got a little bonus fucking thing coming out as well. Um, before we get too up our own asses, we're talking about semantics and stuff, what is the plot <clears throat> synopsis for Pusher 2? So Pusher 2 follows Tony, the Frank's mate from the first one. Now, it's not made explicit um, from the beginning, but it's made clear later on that this is a sequel. So Tony survived the bashing and he's finishing up a prison sentence. Um, And this one is not as uh, simple a plot as the first one. Uh, Still not overly complicated, though. Give it a go. yeah so basically tony's going back to to work for his dad and uh because as we described before tony is a drug addicted manic dumbass um he's his dad it sees him as a, a disappointment and his dad is a um uh, a kingpin and also he owns a successful business um but he gives you know, Tony a chance to, um, uh, to earn his way. Uh, then it's a series of 
Tony fucking up. Sometimes it's sometimes it's fair, sometimes it's unfair. And then the people in his life showing him a complete lack of respect. And then it's basically just him uh, coming to that realization, would you say? Like him, it's, it's almost like a coming of age story. Like Tony, Tony sort of growing up in a way. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I think it's, I think at the end of the movie, you realize that it's the whole thing is very in a clever way set up from the opening monologue. You know Mm. what I mean? That there's an opening monologue where a guy is just like, you know, for the longest time I wasn't a man and I didn't know what to do. And then suddenly I, you know, I killed these people. And from that point on, I was a man. So yeah, from that opening line, you don't really know what it has to do with anything until the end where he kind of, this, this character takes actions to become a man. So yeah, it's, yeah. it is a coming of age story. I didn't actually think about that because usually coming of age stories usually makes me think of like white teenagers complaining yeah, about 12 shit. Twelve year olds, twelve year olds riding bikes. Fucking call me by your name and fucking shit yeah. like that. But you know, it's it's usually about a, a boy turning into a man, which is kind of what this mm. is. Tony, um, at a very late stage in life, becoming a becoming a man Mm. but it's hard to just say exactly what the plot is without breaking it down in the way that it's structured which is um just a series of events mostly that just inform just inform on tony's psyche because at the beginning um he's he's basically the character we left off with in pusher one he's a he's a dickhead um and he just he's he's always trying to impress the people around him he wants people to think he's funny he wants them to think he's cool and that he's tough and he he wants to impress his he's dad. a joke to he literally everyone yeah he wants his dad to love him but really no one has any respect for him the irony is that this dude has the word respect tattooed on the back of his head um but literally everyone in his life thinks he's a dipshit and they're constantly giving him shit and calling his name, calling him names. And he just kind of like shrugs it off and then tries to impress them again. Um, would you say that's true? Yeah, I guess so. I think he's a bit ignorant to, I think it's about him realizing how these people, all these different people treat him like absolute dirt. You know what I mean? Like he, mm. he, he isn't, he, he's quite unlike it. Like, I know you like him and you found him. He was your favorite character in the first one, but we don't, well, we don't I really get a lens in the first Frank one to really one. look at him and understand why the way he's the way he is. But in this film, it's mm. presented in a way where I think it's easy to sympathize with him and it may, and, and it makes sense why he is the way he is rather than just a caricature of that obnoxious guy you know what i mean yeah so it's um it's definitely more okay so we we disagreed with the last one but i felt like that was about somebody who was you know in a in a criminal life where you have to be uh cold and heartless and it was a guy who 
kind of subconsciously wanted to come out of that and be warm and loving and the 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 woman in his life was about that i know we disagreed on that mm. but would you say that that is what this one is it's about? it's this film is interesting because it's no it's not uh, and i'm i'm coming to i'm going to answer your question but i have to kind of come around from a different yep. direction to get there so whereas this film is actually a lot easier to grasp in terms of themes and things like that. It's actually spelt out a lot easier. However, this film breaks the conventions of the genre and isn't as much of a conventional story. Does that make sense? Like, mm. this is much more of a character study. And it's very yeah. easily... And, and like, again, from that opening monologue, it act, it's setting up the whole film. Um mm. So it's 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 very different. It's very clever, for specific, especially for a sequel. It's a very subversive sequel. Um, mm. Yeah, it's this is about someone who really wants to change and wants people to help him change and wants to grow. But it's his environment and these people that keep holding him back because what they they don't respect him or like they think he can't change or. I don't know. It's like this. It's this weird mentality where if they can't change, they can't respect someone who wants to change. I don't know, mm -hmm. but yeah, no, I, I I agree with you. Yeah. So he um. Yeah, I I, I see it as like he he basically changes his mind on on what's important. Mm. Um. So so basically, what happens is that Tony's the um, doing a few jobs for his dad, doing a job with his friend. Um, and then, oh, and, uh, the other thing that's happening is that, um, this woman that he had sex with has a baby and everyone around town is saying that it's his and she's telling people that it's his. So he, uh, meets this woman you know, against his will, she shows up. Um, and then you could say it's almost out of character. I think you could make that argument. I wouldn't, but he immediately takes a shine to the baby. Mm. And then the baby is the thing that starts to trigger him into understanding that it's the people around him who he's been trying to impress this whole time. And that he thought the most important thing was getting respect from these people. Actually, it's not important. And that these people are actually shitty and bad for him. And then he starts to transform by taking a liking to this baby and enjoying being a father. See, the, the main difference I think we have in our philosophy is in your opening statement about it you said he's the same character as he was in the first mm. one um yeah. i disagree um i think there are a few factors i think it, it th this film is set like seven years later this film was made seven years later and i think it's set mm. a, a similar amount of time later than when it was filmed um yeah I, I, personally i think he is a, he's changed he's grown up i think he wants to be the same person if that makes sense. Whereas mm. the people in his life think he's Tony in 1996. They think he's Tony in Pusher. 
but he's no, no mm. longer that person. Through being mm. in prison, through head trauma, through all these things, he's growing up and he is trying to be better. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? Yeah, I think he's trying to be better at the start. Yeah, so he's I done some growing. But I mean, like, there's the opening scene where he's sitting across from that guy. But then the very next scene is him running out into the prison yard, punching some guy, and then running, uh, running around and having everyone chase Rome, him. Rome wasn't built in yeah. a day, you know, like, it, uh, it's not... <laughs> but that to me says that at the beginning, he's, if not exactly the same, but at least closer to that same Tony we met in the, the first one. And by the end of this film, he's miles away. Yeah, running that. away means a completely different thing at the beginning of the film than it does at the end. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because he kind of... He, at the end, he does kind of run away, but it's... He's running towards literally, his future. Literally um, runs away. So, I don't know. Like, oh, no, do, do you literally. know what I mean? That he's a, he, he is different? Like, he's not the same guy? I, th I only see it as, like, um, different against his will. In the same way that anybody is going to be slightly different uh, seven years later... Mm. but i if he is any different i think that he's still um trying to be oh yeah guy. he wants he maybe doesn't have the same energy that he did in the first one but he's still being like he steals that ferrari yeah at the, there's like an expectation for him to be who everyone perceives him to be even though how he wants them to think of him or how he I guess the thinks he, they think of him is the complete opposite. They don't respect him. They they never really liked him anyway. So I, I, I don't know. Is this about him kind of realizing that? Yeah, I think it's about him realizing. I think it's about him realizing that he that he holds no respect for the people around him, like all these friends and family who he immediately surrounds himself with. Um. I think that the reason he's like, you know, an anxious manic type jokey character is because he's eager to please mm. and he sees how seriously everyone else takes each other and he just wants to be like them mm. and then realizes not only will he never be like them, but he doesn't want to be like no. them. That point towards the end where they're all partying, um, you know, there's like the stripper and with the kid in the room that he clearly has a problem with the, the mum doing Coke while the baby's crying, yeah. you know, the, the baby's crying and, you know, he has a problem with that. And then, um, also when he starts choking her out because he's hit this point, this breaking point of people giving him shit. Um, and then the, the baby's crying, uh, and then they get him off of her. And then the first thing, both those two women start doing is they get on the floor and they start sweeping up. Yeah. The they want to, they want to, that all they care about is the fucking drugs. I know yeah. it's, I know it's an Australian term and it probably doesn't really translate well, but like, is that not the most bogan wedding you've ever seen in your fucking life? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like he has no, he has, he's just not aware of his situation or anything. And there's this wedding where everyone is kind of at least attempting to put effort in and he's wearing his fucking element fucking jumpsuit thing. 
You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he's just so underdressed for a wedding, it's, like, infuriating. Yeah. The, the, yeah, he clearly... What's super funny is um, how he has... Just how... I don't, I don't know about self-awareness, but he, he has no idea how to read a room or to understand exactly what his dad would be impressed I think by. he's incredibly uh, unself-aware. I think that's part of his issue. Yeah. You know? And it's like, again, it was similar to uh, Frank in the first one, where it's like, just stop being a dipshit and you'll get what you want. Mm. It's like, okay, stop making little jokes to your fucking crime boss dad. He clearly doesn't like yeah. them. He slaps you when you make yeah. them. Like, stop with that. And he just, he just can't. Um, that there was one big difference and like, stop me if you, th- if you disagree or if you have input on this, the first film really relies on a, on a, they both rely on inaction from their characters, but in different ways where like, where, in the first one, his inaction forces the hand of the other characters. Do you know what I mean? Like it makes other characters make him do things and then eventually makes him crack and have to do these things. Did you realize yep. that, do you agree that Tony is kind of quite passive in how things go in this film? And and, and then like him getting into more and more hot water is less and less his fault. Do you agree? Like, um, I know I was just watching this and I remembered I my, the first time I saw this film, I had in my brain that he was a lot more implicit in the things going wrong. But after watching it this time, I realized that he's actually quite passive and things happen. And because they don't respect him, people are dragging him more and more into this absolute garbage. Do you know what I mean? Like a, a lot of the time he's just kind of there. Yeah, I felt like the less he did... The more so shit like, he got into. So, I, well, I feel like uh, I agree with you in some way, but this is my version of that. Frank was someone who needed to take action in order to fix these things and wasn't taking action. He was just sitting yeah. around watching shit go bad. Um, I think the opposite was the case with Tony, who every time he took it upon himself to take action... He made things worse and what he needed to do was sit back and take a passive role. And the more he did that and just observed his surroundings, the more, uh, like the better his situation got by the second half of the film, there is a lot of him just like sitting back and, and just watching people. And that's for the first time he starts, he gets to judge them and he gets to think about himself and who he is the tone of the movie and the the pace of the movie is actually quite different you know what i mean like where this is more of a character study and more of a drama than a thriller i'd say do you agree Mm, it's ironic that it that the the film that's more about the manic character from the first one is is much slower pace Mm, this and not as over the top like we were saying the first film uh kind of runs at a speed like like uncut gems. Hmm. Yeah, it's nonstop. Um, this one, this one, uh, you know, takes its time. Um, it's still kind of short. It's only like 90, 92 minutes. I think it's the perfect something. length of time. You know what I mean? But it's um, it's in no rush. In fact, it, it starts out 
kind of in a rush with him uh, stealing a Ferrari and getting into that prison brawl. And then it starts to slow down until like at the end, it's just him just sitting. I don't know. Like for me, because they're different types of movies where the first one is very much a... I hate saying run of the mill. It sounds like it's an insult, but it's 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 a conventional crime thriller. This one isn't. This mm. one's a character study. I found that the yep. stakes in this film weren't as high in terms of like, I hate saying that, you know, the P-L-O-T word. Can you say it? I hate saying it. P- the P-L-O-T. What? P-L-O-T. P- the plot? Yeah, the plot. I can't say it. I have a weird thing where I can't say the word plot. Um, uh Uh it's like less important you know what i mean like it's not it's not like a driving force it's these characters and yeah like you said in the second half of the movie he does intrinsically kind of take a step back and you know there's things going wrong but i don't know there's something to do with the tone or something with this that it for me it didn't feel as anxiety driven um, no, definitely anxiety-driven kind uh, of plot-driven movie. You know that there's a there's a clear objective, and that's this. Like it's not about that at all. And yeah, so a similar thing happens where there's a drug deal that goes wrong, and he ends up uh, owing money to. He doesn't owe money Duke. to anyone. His fucking cunt friend does. This is it's it's annoying right. part of the film. But as but as far as yeah, but as far as um all considered parties are concerned, he does owe money. Uh, it's, it annoys me because he doesn't do anything wrong, you know. He sh- and he yeah, shouldn't owe, right. and he gets it's it's his inaction and him unable to stand up for himself that puts him in this situation. But if me or you yeah. were in this situation, I'm pretty sure we'd go hold the fuck up. This isn't my problem. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'd 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 be like, listen up, or you, or you can't. drug dealers. <laughs> yeah, shut up, get out of here. Get oh, out it's of only one fucking... person that keeps telling him that it's his responsibility, and it's the most deplorable character. I've one of the most deplorable characters I've ever seen in a film. The cunt. Is, I yeah. fucking yeah, hate yeah, the him guy so much. The guy whose name is actually the yeah, cunt. he's called the cunt. Uh, what's his first name? I don't name? know. The cunt. Hook? Chris? Something? Yeah, Kurt everyone the calls cunt. him the cunt. Um, yeah, so the cunt gets him... Uh, gets him in trouble. Because he borrows money from the Duke, who is um, Tony's dad. Um, and then Tony, out of like trying to just help his friend out, um, gets gets caught up in this shit. And then the cunt reveals that um, from, you know, out of what he's told the Duke, Tony's dad, that Tony is going to be just as responsible for paying the money back as he is. And it doesn't matter that that's Tony's dad. His dad is a ruthless Mm. crime lord who actually fucking despises Tony. Where, like... And it's again, it comes down to the plotting and stuff of this film compared to the first one. The 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 stakes are quite clear with the mm. first one. You know what I mean. Mm. Whereas for this one, we only really understand the stakes in the last quarter of the movie. Do you know what I mean? Like before that, he might yeah. be fucking up and all these things, but there's no real threat. 
Do you know what I mean? Mm. Only then. Yeah, it definitely does. But I don't think that that's a fault. No, of course I, not. I no, I, I like it. I like it, but it's different. because yeah, I didn't feel like that um, he was trying to create the same tension from the first one. Like, now you owe this guy all this money. How are you going to get that back together? It would be boring. But it's a similar situation set up. Yeah, like, you're going to have to pay him back. What are you going to do? He kind of um, sorts it out pretty quickly where the Duke tells him that he has to kill this woman who is the Duke's new wife. Um, uh, yeah. And then he tells Tony that he's going to have to kill him. And then Tony doesn't do it. Instead, he kills his own dad, mm, which is, you know, which, kind of the cyclical sort of thing at the beginning. This is pretty much the action that he needs to take. To become a man, mm. you know what I mean? He needs to stop trying to give a shit about his father's affection and become his own man. I think that's kind of what they were getting at. Getting at with yeah, this. I got to tell you, I fucking loved the ending. It was such This a, part or just the whole such, ending? The, when, he, when he kills his dad, goes back to uh, what's-her-name's place, and the, that chick with his baby is there. And those two birds are just getting high. And just treating him like trash. Like, they for, they just keep saying... Oh, they're calling him retard, calling him idiot, blaming him for having things that aren't even their fault. Yeah. Yeah, they're like, got any cigarettes? No, of course he doesn't. He's fucking useless. And they're just being absolute cunts to him. And then they both uh, end up leaving the room and leaving the baby there. And then he just picks up the baby, runs away, and hops on a bus... And just leaves. Mm. Um, and I thought that that was brilliant. Yeah, it's a it's a really good ending to the film. Is uh, to to maybe to spoil the third one. Is this your favorite of the three? Mm, yeah, I think it probably yeah. is. Is it yours? Yeah, it's mine. This is the best of the three pushes. Um, I don't know. I. I think I think having Mads as a lead, you know, helped it a lot. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's the next thing I was gonna ask you. What did you think of Mads? Oh, Madison? he's fantastic. This feels much more like Mads than the first one. You know, mm. uh, it's yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's a it's it's a really good film. I like that it's a subversive sequel. Like it it has everything that a sequel needs. It's set in the same world. There's references to this previous one. You know, all these sort of things, but inherently you can't get a different film. Do you know mm. what I mean? Like it's so different in everything except for the universe that it sets that it's set in. I would like to ask your opinion of this. Um, so do you know why he made these films? Yeah, because the two following films he made after Pusher was a big success. Tank. Yeah, they didn't make. He made it. His American debut, which is a film called Fear X, which had like John Turturro in it, like killed a production company. Like it was such a bad failure, the production company fucking went bankrupt. So <laughs> he signed on to do two sequels to Pusher, which is this one and the third one. Um, this is a we. This is an oddity of a film, uh, and or I'm not going to talk about the third one where commercial imperatives resulted in mm. something really good 
Yeah, I was I was watching these with Emma, and she uh, was kept saying how surprised she was, how how good the second one was, because I'd already told her before we watched it that the reason he did it was because he had to, because his other films didn't make any money, mm. so he was forced to make sequels to his most popular thing. And so she was like, oh, okay, let's still watch them, I guess. Yeah. And she likes both the sequels more than the original, and she's like, fucking hell, I was so surprised. Yeah, like, the, the, the closest story I can think of to that is Kevin Smith. He makes Jersey Girl, which is this stupid romantic comedy bullshit thing with Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez. It tanks, so he makes Clerks 2. <laughs> so he has to go back to those films but it's just not the same you know like it's it's that that as a setup that as a story you tell the punchline is always they suck Mm -hmm. yeah but this but these don't you know it's 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 strange like he must have matured as a filmmaker and and like he very easily could have made sequels that were just the first one again, but he didn't. And and what, what he did was he found out a way to make these different and interesting films. And Mm. uh, like, I I have so much respect because that, yeah, it could have just been cliche shit, but what we get Mm. is a, I I, I hate saying slow because this movie does go quite quickly, but, but, uh, a deliberately paced character study just happens yeah. to be set in the Copenhagen criminal underworld, you know? Yeah, and, and references to the original film aren't unwelcome. No, either. like, again, the scars on his head, you know, and yeah. he talks about getting his head beaten in with a bat. It's reference to the first one. Yeah, when Milo, Milo shows showing up. up. He's, like, he's like, where's where's Frank? I know he's not in Denmark. Quickly, and so, so we, what yeah. do you think of that? Do you think... Do you think Frank got away or do you think he killed him? No, I think he got away. You think away. so? See, yeah. I he he's kind of smiling when he says it. So, I kind of got that he killed him. Yeah. It's yeah, set maybe. up to be both. Like there is no actual answer to this question, but I kind of got the feeling this viewing that he's kind of asking because it's kind of expected because they because people would know that he would want him. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So he's like, oh, where's, where's Frank? And he's, I don't know. He seems a bit smug. I think you're right. I think it's, yeah, I think it's meant to be ambiguous. Yeah. But yeah, I just thought I'd. Um, which is really, which is really clever. Mm. Yeah. Um, um, damn. Nicholas Winding Refn used to be so good. Well, I know you still like him. I just, I disagree with just his philosophy. I don't know. I didn't, I, like, I, I think um, I was one of the few people that liked Only God Forgives. I didn't see Neon Demon. I haven't seen that yet either. Watched, I'm kind of avoiding it, to be honest. His, I haven't watched his new series. Apparently, his TV show is incredibly dull. Like, <laughs> apparently, I was watching that there was a YMS video on the series, and apparently, you only have to watch episode four, five, and six. And then the rest just. You don't even need to watch. What rest is just people standing still underneath? Probably lights. some bullshit like that. <laughs> I am not interested in watching that He's at so all. Funny. I don't need 10 hours of this shit. You know what I mean? Well, not this shit. Drive and fucking only God forgives sort of crap. Um, mm. It's... I 
I have to give him respect. And this is uh, some people I read online were giving crap, but I love that even though it's this was made in two thousand and four, the film looks the same. Yeah. I was surprised to see that. It looks so similar to it the It could first have literally one. been made the next we were gonna year. See a, yeah, I thought we were going to see a huge upgrade. Mm. And also it didn't feel like um like a massive budget either. No. Uh I actually I didn't look up the budgets for the films, but I just naturally assumed that if the first one's made for like, I don't know, uh, $50,000, that the second one's made for like 800,000 mm. or a million, mm. you know? So I was expecting fucking car chases and shit. I thought it was going to be, which it could have been. So yeah, mad respect. Yeah, it's a- It could have just been pusher, but like amped up where he's like, or okay, crank high voltage. car chases and gunfights. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um. Uh, this might be a really weird thing, but with the first one, um, I mentioned that I noticed that Uncut Gems, I think, took a lot of inspiration from this, from the first mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. I also, and, and tell me if you think I'm crazy, but these films all remind me of Grand Theft Auto 4. Did right. you play Grand Theft Auto 4? Yeah, I yeah. don't know. For some reason, just the tone and the art style, I don't know. Just, I don't know. Is it just because of the Eastern European No, I, I think this, I don't know. Maybe I'm just being, yeah. This isn't Eastern Europe, motherfucker. This is this is Western Europe. Denmark is in Western Europe. What, I don't know what you're talking oh, about. okay. Well, because I know one of them is Serbian. Yeah, Milo. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. This... I don't know. It's. I guess it's the tracksuits. I guess it's the sh- the bald hair. I don't know, but I, the yeah. color palette. I don't know. There's just something that reminds me of GTA Four. I'm crazy. I guess and racist. I hate Eastern Europeans. <laughs> apparently, crazy and racist. Crazy and Finally racist. Exactly what I need. I've been accusing you of being crazy and racist for years, Joe. Mm. Finally, I have the confession <laughs> <laughs> for the world to hear. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, we got it. So I, I remember reading ages ago and I couldn't seem to find it this time. But uh, an interesting thing I read a while ago was apparently um, Nicholas Winding Refn on purpose at the ending of every scene wanted to end it with Tony being humiliated. And that was how he wrote yeah. it. Mm-hmm. I just I find that just an interesting... Well, definitely the um, the first half of the film, especially, feels like it's nothing but humiliation. It's set up. He tries to impress his, you know, his family, his friends, and it just ends with his dick getting cut off every single time. It's yeah, it's comedic in in how much yeah. like him. It's it's actually a funny scene, like him him showing up in the Ferrari, all smiling and shit, and he's like, "I brought you a gift," and he. I think he even says, I'm the best, something like yeah. that. And then his dad comes out and starts throwing shit at him and, and threatens to beat him up. <laughs> and he's like, get out of here, you fucking embarrassment. Or like the the scene where he's in the, the room with the two prostitutes. Oh, that's, that's my favorite scene. I was just about to get to that. That's how hilarious is that? So he's just trying to fuck yeah, yeah. these prostitutes. He's just got out of jail. He hasn't had sex in however long. 
but yeah, his cock just doesn't on the play bed. along at all. They're sitting on the bed laughing at him, and he's trying to jerk off to a porno to get hard. And um, <laughs> and then and it just won't work, and he's just embarrassing himself. And then um, uh, yeah. Hang on, I got the fucking. I love, I love the end of it. He's trying to get them to suck his dick, but they won't suck it without a condom. But his dick is so, like, flaccid that they can't even put the condom on. And then, like, the ending, I love it. It's just like, well, you just met, messed, missed out on the monster fuck here. You know, you just you don't know what you're missing out on. Yeah, that's right. He calls himself the king of cocks. Yeah. It's just so... Sorry. I just had some... I've just had... I've got this fucking... Facebook Messenger ringing in my ear and it won't Is someone trying to call you? I don't know if it's a glitch or someone's trying to call me, but it will not stop and I'm trying to make it stop. Well, it's just that fucking... I think you might have a tumor. What's a tune-up? A tumor, as in like you've got a tumor, as in you've got a fucking piece of flesh in your brain killing you. No, no, no. Someone's trying to call me. Yeah, it's a tumor. The tumor's calling your brain, telling you that it's time to go to heaven. Fuck off. Do you smell burnt toast? No, I don't smell burnt toast. I'm trying to... (laughs) I've got this ringing in my ear. It's the Facebook messenger ringing. I've got this ringing in my ear. Should I just still keep talking at you about the film while you're trying to, like, not die of a fucking brain tumor? Yes. Okay. So, you, 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 sorry, man. You're going to have to cut this out. You go. Okay. So, um, yeah, um, for me, this is a, uh, a very special sequel. One that kind of, um, you know, doesn't really, it, it leans, it, it takes the law that the first one set up and expands upon that. Instead of, you know, you see the fucking Hangover movies and um, it's the same movie just over and over again. This film is just not that at all. Uh, it takes a character that, you know, we're actually quite unsympathetic about and hate. Oh, I didn't like in the first one that much and um, somehow turns him into a very interesting, very uh, sympathetic uh, hero. Um, how you doing over there, Dane? Yeah, good. Yeah, he is kind of the, the he's kind of a hero at the end of it. Yeah, it's he, like like a almost like a cliched hero. He saves the the fucking baby from from the 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 crazy drug addict killers, mm. and you know, and runs away with it. Mm. But it doesn't feel like it. It sounds kind of cheesy. To say that that's how it ends, but no, but it's, it's earned. Not. Like it makes it's sense from such watching a the film. Way. Yeah, you know, you, if if you say a movie ends with the main character running away with a baby, you kind of <laughs> like, oh, that sounds shit. But yeah. in this film, it's completely earned, and um, you know, kind of like I guess a comparison is Train Spotting. Um, it's kind of. Do you feel that it's it's going to be okay for them? For the baby and... Tony, yeah. 
Um, mm, I don't know. No, probably not. So you think it's an unhappy ending? I think, yeah. No, no, no. I don't think it's an unhappy ending because it ends with him running away. So it's like, yay, it, it ends on a positive note. But when you really think about it, um, you know, if if at the end of Pusher with, with Frank can run away and that's a missing person thing. Yeah, but, we, but that's okay. ambiguous. But with this... That's ambiguous as to what actually happens there. This right. isn't. But I'm saying if that's if Frank runs away, then you know, like, then the authorities maybe let that go, or they don't look for him very hard. Yeah. I just do not imagine that there's a, a murder and a kidnapped baby, and they definitely know who did it, and no one's gonna find him. Right. Okay. But also the thing is, the mother of that baby didn't really seem to want it. No. And also, um, I don't think anyone is really shedding a tear for the death of the Duke. No. So, you know, who knows? I like to think that they get away. I, well, the thing is he like- He goes and starts a, a nice little quiet life with his baby. We, cool. we can't really, a film is contained to the first frame and the last frame, and we can only really go from the information there. Of course, we can go into, you know, semantics, and, you know, people complain about the ending of Batman, Rise of Batman Sky, whatever, Rise of fucking Batman. What's it called? Dark Knight Rises. Rises. You know, it's just like, well, then it's an unhappy ending because the nuclear bomb in the water would have destroyed the water supply and everyone in Gotham would have died from radiation poisoning and all the, you know, like shit like that. That doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I feel like you, we can only take what we're shown. And yep. and for me, what I get is that it's a happy ending and they've gotten away. And mm-hmm. all we're left with is that feeling. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, shall we? Uh, I, I, um, oh, yeah. I, I kind of want to talk. I have never in my life wanted to smack someone more than the cunt. <laughs> right. He is the most that, insufferable a- fuckwit that I've ever seen on screen. I just like, he's got yeah. one of those heads. Oh yeah. That's another case of good cast. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. That guy's probably a dick in real life and he's a dick in this film and it works. Yeah, he's found, like, deliberately the most annoying guy. He has an annoying voice. Mm. He's got an annoying head. He's got, like, a wrinkly forehead. Yeah, his behavior is just uh, incredible. Like, he's incredibly stupid. And he's the only person um, dumber than than Tony, at at least up to, to that point. And that's kind of... That's about the halfway point. And that's when Tony finally means someone who like meet someone who's more of a fuck up than him. Mm. And I think that sort of gives him a bit of an awakening as well. Cause it's sort of like a reflection in a way, mm. but that's another example of um, like how funny these two films especially are like um, in that, that, that first major drug deal where we meet the cunt, 
he um and then uh there's a that knock on the door and he just instantly flushes all the heroin down the toilet yeah it's his fault though like he blames tony for that but it's clearly him just being a fuck up yeah and i remember that being the first example in the film of like uh tony like being one of the just not the dumbest one in the room and saying something stupid Mm. He was actually, he was like looking at this dude when he, when that guy's like, well, can I have my money back? It's not my fault that I've flushed the, it was an accident. And Tony just looks at him like, it is your fault. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's not how it works. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And then he goes, <laughs> and then he goes to, um, and then the cunts, the cunts idea is to shoot himself in the arm uh, so that he can blame someone convince, else for getting robbed. Yeah, so he can convince the people he borrowed the money from, who we later learn is the Duke, that he was robbed, and he gets um he gets Tony to help him along with that. So yeah, actually now when I think about it, I think that the point of that character is to give someone for Tony to look at and be like, oh okay, I'm starting to get how I can be at times. You know what I mean? Mm. He's a bit of a fucked up mirror, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, I think so. Kind of like a mirror to look at that offers him. Yeah, it offers him that opportunity to self-reflect because he starts to see, you know, someone dumber than him. So then he examines himself a bit more, but then that gives him this, um, you know, self-reflection that he then can use to observe the others around him and then gain an understanding as to how damaging they are to him. Mm. So I'm figuring this all out in my head. Mm. So yeah, that sounds right to me. This one is the most critically acclaimed in the series. It does have the, the, the rare 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Why do you think this one is considered the best? Uh, it's the one with, uh, you know, it's a, um, it's like a feel good story. Almost. It's a guy who's going from bad to good, you know, Mm, hero's journey. Uh, Yeah. So with the first one, like just a, just a story about a guy who's a dick and then just gets and just acts like a dick the whole way through and then ends up fucked at the end of the film. There's plenty of people who, well, we read one of the reviews. It's like, um, I didn't idolize the main character. So that's what movies are to me. Mm. And with this one, um, you know, people can see themselves a bit in this guy, you know, by the end, or at least can, can, you know, idolize him in a way he becomes a hero. Uh, so no one's going to have a problem with it, first of all. And secondly, um, it's, it's very clever. It's well-written. It looks great. Like even it's still shot in that same dodgy way, handheld, um, minimal lighting, but it's very stylized. Um, and also Mads Mikkelsen is a terrific actor. He's enjoyable to watch. Uh, at every moment, even just 
when he's standing there doing nothing, just like looking around and watching other people, he's, um, he's just, you know, he's a guy who's meant to be on screen because it's just interesting to look at. Mm. So, um, I have a question for you, Dane. Do you want to hear the most upvoted good review or the most upvoted bad review first? Give me give me the good one. Okay. This is the title is as powerful as once were warriors. I've seen Pusher 2 during the Thriller and Film Noir Festival in Cognac. It was a shock at the end when lights were on people didn't say a word. The last time I was so mute was at the end of Once Were Warriors. The violence in Pusher 2 is so realistic, so close, so terrifying for the future of all characters, then we really hope there will be something, even very little, happy at the end to help us breathe. The main character seems to be a bad guy, but he's a loser. Looking for the love of a father, all his past, aka friends, family, are lost. I've met the director. <laughs> he said that this is a real look on a way of life in his country, but don't think it's just outside. The story can exist everywhere. Some sequences are like nightmare without sleeping. And for the hero, the last hope in his life is a baby, his son. And for what kind of life? Incredible, powerful, beautiful. Pusher 2 mixes all these feelings to be one of the best movies of the year, a movie which marks a spirit like hot steel. Okay, what's the bad one? Um... I just quickly want to uh, comment on this. Um, to be honest, I didn't find this one too violent. Yeah, I was thinking that too. He's talking With about it being work. really violent. The first one the and very much realistic. the third one are a lot more violent than this one. Yeah. So I don't know where where he's getting that from. What's the most violent scene in the film? Where he stabs his dad, surely. Yeah, but that's like... I don't know. Other than that, it's there's not really much going on that's violent in this film, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I I that's a quite a nice review. Um, okay. So the worst one I can find with upvotes is where are we? Three out of ten. Title boring. Pusher was a great movie. So. <laughs> Doubt so clearly I expected a lot more, a lot from this one, but I'm sorry to say that it does not, and I repeat, not at all reach the heights of the first one. <laughs> it's generally boring and not so tough and scary as the first one, because I can remember in some scenes from Pusher, I was really frightened, but not at all in this one. Mads Mikkelsen does a good job, definitely, but I really miss Kim Badina. Because his role was far more intense, and now I've heard that he's not in Pusher 3 either, is Mads. I hope Pusher 3 goes back to the original environment from the first one, and I'm glad to see that Zalto Burek is back in this one, because he was only a very small role in Pusher 2, and that sucks. Yeah, so, well, this guy... It is, it is a different, like we were saying, it is different like it's not an intense this guy movie. wanted the same film yeah he wanted it to be like nail-biting thriller he wanted that kind of film so i guess if that's why you like something and that's what gets your dick hard i guess this film could be disappointing 
if that's what you're expecting. But I don't know. I try to leave all pretenses at the door when I watch a film and, you know, watch it for what it is, not for what I want it to be, which um, I think is the downfall of Star Wars fans. Just putting it out there. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're, they're all expecting the film they want and not the one that they're getting, you know, the one that the filmmaker's making. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know, man. Leave Star Wars fans alone. They've had a rough few years. Oh, uh, Star Wars fans. See which ones. There's about all of them. All of them after the last after the last one. I think all of them are now in a stage of trying to figure out what to people do. People love that fucking film, man. There are people that defend Rise of Skywalker because they have nothing else. Yeah, because because they because they hate Last Jedi so much, they have to defend. Rise of Skywalker. Because they hate themselves so much. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's it Take away Star Wars from them and they have nothing but the the mirror <laughs> to look into. <laughs> oh god. And they can't they don't want to do that. When did okay, I, I'm cur- I know this is off topic, but when did you stop giving a fuck about Star Wars? After episode seven. Okay, so but you got into the hype for episode seven, am I right? Yep. Okay. So for me, episode nine is where I, where I died. So I died with this one. Yeah. You know, I, I liked last Jedi. I'm one of those people that like last Jedi. Um, and then I was just happy to see, I was actually happy to see it die with rise of Skywalker. Like it made me feel relief. I'm like, I don't have Mm -hmm. to deal with this anymore. It's fucking over. They've killed it. Anyway, um, so out of 10 farts, how many farts are you going to give uh, Pusher 2? Uh, Pusher 2 gets a big 10 farts from me. Um, I think it is, I think it's a classic. I think you can put it proudly on your fucking Shelves. Is this the is this the one that if you were to reach to your DVD cabinet and you had to pick one of the three, this is the one you'd watch? Mm, yeah, but that being said, it is a bit like picking your favorite Lord of the Rings. I do have my favorite one, but okay, so uh, we both say our favorite, which is, which is which is Two Towers, by the oh, way. Damn you! I was gonna do a little fun thing where we both have to say our favorite at the same time. Oh, fuck sorry, you. man. I'm always, I'm always ruining your fun you things. You ruin my fun <laughs> things. My favorite's Fellowship. I love Fellowship. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. yeah. But again, it's they're all right up there. You know what I mean? Yeah. And for me, all three of these films are, are right up there. But yeah, definitely the second one's my favorite. Mm. So yeah, no, I'm giving this one nine farts, nine out of ten. Um, mm-hmm. amazing film, but I have to save those tens for the ones that are my favorite. You know what I mean? Like the ones mm-hmm. that I would buy the, the vinyl of the soundtrack and shit like that. Anyway, uh, yeah. this has been episode two. This is technically the best, but, uh, we're recording and releasing them in the order in which they were released. Uh, if you want to ask us any questions, feel free to send us an email to moviebuttspod at gmail.com. Um, Yeah, we got a bonus episode, which is Pusher 3. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.